This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. Hello, my name is Simon Miller from What Culture Wrestling and you are listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast and you better keep listening to it. Why? Here's why. You're listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast, a sample of the best pro wrestling podcasts we can produce on our tiny budget. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, CastBox, and all other podcast platforms. If it's wrestling you want, check out more of our great content at podmania.co.uk. Let's do this. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Pod Mania podcast this week in wrestling. I'm your host, Rob Good, and I'm joined, as always, on these things by Chris O'Brien and Garth Jackson. How are we, boys? I bent my Wookiee. You bent your what? What? <laughs> Wait, how come fucking you guys judge me for not understanding your fucking obscure film references? Or, like, when you're talking about football, but I make a Simpsons reference. And none of you get it. Don't fucking murmur it and we'll hear it. But I bent my Wookiee. You bent your Wookiee? Bent my Wookiee. What series are we talking here? <laughs> <laughs> this is early fucking Simpsons. I know, but how early? Black Smithers early or... No, no that's only for one season. And quite frankly, <laughs> does season one even count as for Simpsons? Like, let, let's be real. Like season one, there's Listen, one good episode. I was there. It counts. <laughs> Garth was there for the rise of communism, the fall of communism. I was there for the Berlin Wall coming down. And the Berlin and going Wall up. going up. <laughs> <laughs> you were there for um the revolution to create Soviet Russia and then Gorbachev breaking down the walls for Soviet Russia. Um you were there for the gold the gold rush trio. A long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Lou Price versus Kyle, Do- um, Kyle um, Gotch in the Tokyo Dome, not the Tokyo Dome, in the Alamo, in the Sportatorium in Dallas, Texas. Which is why you should listen when I talk. <laughs> Hundreds of years of experience. Age doesn't, create, age doesn't always create wisdom. I mean, like, my brother's five, five minutes older than me and he's a fucking idiot. <laughs> um, Garth, how are you? Um, all right. <laughs> um, See, that's all it needs, Chris. Just an all right, mate. Just, uh, you know, just cracking on. <laughs> just getting on with life, mate. Some wrestling. <laughs> well, Which, spent, to, to be fair, spent... it's a, uh, th- this week's been pretty fucking depressing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's like it speaks volumes. But no, normally, when we get on, we talk for twenty minutes about what we're going to talk about. But like, we just a- avoided what we were going to talk about this week. And just talked about the PlayStation 2, Pulp Fiction, and um, I forgot what the other thing we talked about was, but it was something. Yeah, um, it's not been the nicest week by any stretch of the imagination. Um, let's let's just dive straight in and uh, talk about, obviously, these first couple of, <clears throat> couple of things. Um, obviously, on Sunday, it was reported that um, Shad Gaspard uh, and his 10-year-old son had gone swimming at Venice Beach, 
um, in Los Angeles. Him, his son, and several other swimmers were caught in a riptide. Um, lifeguards went out to get the people back, got to Gaspard, and he said to go and rescue his son first. Go and find his son first. Um, they did rescue his son, um, but unfortunately, by the time they got back to Gaspard, a wave had taken him under. Um, an extensive search couldn't find his body. Um, then it was reported on uh, Wednesday morning that a body matching his description had been found on the beach and it has obviously been confirmed as his body um, dying at the age of 39 years old. This was this was absolutely horrendous. Um, just the not knowing and, yeah, just absolutely awful. The outpouring of um, support for him and his family from every walk of life has been absolutely amazing and there's never there's obviously never the right time or anything like that but to die a hero which is the way that he has passed unfortunately saving his son being that hero you know he is remembered in a fantastic fantastic way um but yeah, it's it's awful, awful news, and it it shook everyone. It's uh, yeah, it's horrendous. Yeah, um, it was the the fact it was so it was like drawn out. I think that made it a bit worse because the, the news was he went missing. Then the news was there's a search. Um, his son was saved. Blah blah. So that obviously every day everybody's looking for updates, and then when the stopped the official searches that you kind of sort of knew, but they didn't have any body and then they found the body and it's pretty sad. Um, because by all accounts, he was a genuinely like nice bloke. Um, went out of his way to help people. He'd done all sorts of stuff sort of charity wise outside of wrestling. Um, even stopped a guy from robbing a store with a gun. He disarmed he th- him and stuff. He used to be a bodyguard, didn't he? Uh, for all, yeah, for all intents and purposes, from everyone that has spoken, um, he just sounds like the most down-to-earth, loving man. There's not one person, even obviously before all this, I, I never heard anything bad about this man. And um, JTG posted on Twitter a text message that Shad had um, texted him back in January of this year. And it's horrible, horrible foreshadowing about, you know, even after I'm gone, you know I'm going to love you, man, and stuff like that. And it's, it really is horrendous. Um, there's not a lot more to say, unfortunately. No. Um, there's no jokes to be made, obviously. This is this is horrendous. And, yeah, rest in peace, Shad. Um, this was then compounded by... Um, the passing of Larry Sonka from Four One One Mania, um, who I didn't know, I didn't know personally, um, but I don't think there's a single wrestling fan from the internet who hasn't read one of his reviews um, on Four One One Mania. The man was an absolute just machine. He pumped out review after review after review on seemingly every single promotion on every single wrestling show, and um, done with good humor and legitimately got me into wanting to review. Wrestling. I was reading his reviews f- far and away before I started this. So, 
you know, I do consider him to be a little bit of an inspiration for what I do on this podcast. Um, but he leaves behind two children. I know that earlier this year, the end of last year, he lost, I don't know whether it was part of his leg or his entire leg. Um, and I know he'd been rehabbing that. Um, no details have been given about his death and I'm not going to speculate. I don't think it's right that we speculate. Um, but I did just want to say that there is a GoFundMe for him because he does leave behind two daughters and a wife. Um, and I know that he was he was in, incredibly popular. They've already raised over half of what the target was. Um, so yeah, if you do have any spare change, and again, I don't think there is a single wrestling fan who hasn't read one of his reviews. Um, if you can spare some money, the link is in the description for this podcast. So yeah, go and contribute if you can. Let's move on then, guys. Um, obviously, really sad start to this week and to this podcast. Awful news on both counts. Um, two other releases from the WWE this week. Um, let's start with Drew Gulak, um, who wrestled what was, by all accounts, an absolutely fantastic match against Daniel Bryan in the Intercontinental Championship Tournament. And then... Well, it's half as good as their match at Elimination Chamber, then it's a winner. Well... We didn't see Daniel Bryan's bollocks, so is it as good? Is it as good? I mean, like I, I would argue that any match is improved by Daniel Bryan's Daniel Bryan's genitals. <laughs> um, like honestly, that um, five star classic he had the Marishima um, in Ring of Honor. That if he got his dick out, would be the best match ever. But. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, obviously, they had that match. They shook hands at the end, and it seemed to be a. It just seemed to be two people congratulating each other on a fantastic match. And obviously, it came out the next day that Gulak had been released, and everyone was very, very confused. Um, obviously, this man, it wasn't like he wasn't being used. Um, he was in a stable? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, was, he was in a tag team with Brian. Yeah. You know, he was actually getting a lot more focused than he was when he was on 205 Live, but apparently, he wasn't. WWE didn't release him. He just didn't renew his contract. Um, apparently, he wanted more money, and the WWE didn't match that, uh, which which is baffling when you think about it. Absolutely ridiculous I mean, when you like, consider the multi-million dollar contracts be, they've thrown out to people. We're going to be talking about a lot of WWE skimping on <laughs> yeah. But yeah. this podcast. If, so. the, if this was any other time, I think they would have just given it. Yeah, keep him away um, from AW. A billion percent. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But the thing is, do you think he'd fit in in AW? Because like, obviously the next question is. But well, he's got loads of friends there, hasn't he? He has got friends because you know it, it was on the indie scene. Like AW, like, like I, I, it's really hard to put this without sounding wanky. But Drew Gulak re- um, worked an unbelievably subtle style, like Zack Saber Junior style, Daniel Bryan. Does that fit in in AEW? Can you call any match AEW has ever had? So, I, I think know. he can. I think he can. Yeah, absolutely. I think if it you put him who in the with. yeah, I was just going to say you put him in the ring with Omega, Hangman Page, Sammy Guevara. You know, even someone like I know this is a really ridiculous thing to say. Even someone like Kip Sabian, you know, someone who can work, someone who can go. You know, he will have fantastic matches against yeah. him. And I, I think it's. I think my main issue is that. AEW have too many people already. They do, they yeah. Do. 
they do have a bloated roster, but when are you going to have the opportunity to sign someone who is as good in the ring as Gulak is, who is as good on the mic as Gulak is? You know, you go back to those PowerPoints. I miss... Uh, but that is what's missing from wrestling nowadays is those PowerPoint front. Like, I know, I just like the, those characters who are literally just say completely against all the kinds of characters in the rest of the promotion. Like, for example, I'm watching Through Progress right now, and Mikey Whiplash uses, uses real name Michael Gilbert with no gimmicks required, and he's just going up like against Eddie Dennis, who puts on like a Rey Mysterio mask, or Madman Monson, who basically is just the Deadpool of wrestling. <laughs> Like literally, he was in the fucking armbar and was shouting, "Ah, oh, fuck! I don't know any counters." Um, <laughs> to be honest, I can't see anyone that wouldn't have a ba- that wouldn't have a good match with Drew Gulak. I think AEW is obviously the first place you would consider him going, but I think he'd be great in an Impact, a Ring of Honor, even in Japan. I think he'd be absolutely phenomenal. The the sky is the limit for someone as good as he in- was. Imagine him in Super Junior. He's like a Jonathan Gresham type, which Super Junior needs more of, really. Especially since Super Junior's lost so many bodies. Yeah, I think if he was, to, I think he could be the top guy in a promotion like Impact or Ring of Honor mm-hmm. because he has got the charisma to go with his fantastic in-ring style. I mean, for yeah. so long he was literally one of the only standouts of Two Hundred Five Live. Um, and in a company where they've literally stripped everything back of characters. I mean, look at Jack Gallagher, for God's sake. The only thing you can now say about Jack Gallagher is, what the fuck is that tattoo? <laughs> is, it the worst, is it the worst tattoo in wrestling right now? No. I mean, apart from, like, Hulk Hogan's Immortal. Co- Cody's. Oh, yeah, that's a good I point. Keep... I had forgotten about Cody. <laughs> I... Oh, my... I'm going to put oh, this out there. Remind you. I'm going to put this out there. I think Gallagher's is worse. Gallagher's is bigger, but like he could put, he could put a shirt and hide it. It's like the, you know when you get you go to like the pound shop or something or B and M, and you get those like Schneider wrestling figures. <laughs> yeah, that that would be him if it was Conor McGregor. Mom, can I get a Conor McGregor? No, we have a Conor McGregor at home for Conor McGregor. At home. <laughs> Do you know what he looks like? He looks like the. Literally a creator character on WWE 2K. And you know you get those shit tattoos that you can put oh, on like yeah. the arms that look ridiculously fake. That's what that looks like. It looks like someone's drawn on him in permanent marker. It is abhorrent. <laughs> at least Cody's is unique. It's dog shit, but at least it's unique. <laughs> this is just this is awful. I can't see, and it's so fucking big. <laughs> it's just it's it. Jack Gallagher's not a big lad either. It takes up the majority of his body. Oh, just just I'm, atrocious. I miss, I miss old Jack Gallagher with the umbrella and the putting pe- and tying people in knots. I I miss that. But exactly. Both, it was a more innocent time. It was. <laughs> um, moving on from Drew Gulak. Um, also released was Daughter of Legion of Doom. Manager and author of Pain Manager, uh, Paul Ellering, Rachel Ellering, was released. Uh, it's a little to no fanfare. Um, when the actual release took place, I don't think people are fully aware it could have happened when Diana Perazzo and uh, people like that were released. Um, but it is just coming to light this week. Apparently, she complained about WWE medical procedures, and <laughs> that apparently led to her oh, release. God. 
complaining about negligence. How fucking dare she? Well, this is also in the time when Nikki Bella is also complaining about the WWE's handling of her neck injury. So, I mean, like CM Punk said, um, what we can only assume is the truth considering how the car case went. And then they sued him. <laughs> I mean, so, like, the, what we need to, and like, we'll talk about it in a later on topic, but like, when WWE get called out on their bullshit, they're so petty. Like, so petty. And the problem they've got is there's so many people lining up to, per, to protect them and to sort of defend oh, them. Well, Oh, definitely, like, um, you'll see the same fucking, like, the best way I can put it as weird, like, this is removed from the, um, this is completely removed from the, um, concussion protocols or whatever. Um, the way people always, um, I can best put it is you don't see AEW fans bitching when there's a takeover, but you see NXT fans bitching when there's an AEW pay-per-view. Yeah. Like, because honestly, I think AEW fans know that um, TakeOver is a fu- just fun wrestling anyway, so we'll tune in for the TakeOver. We'll be sit- whereas AEW, uh, um, NXT fans will be sitting there going, uh, well, I'm not watching it, but, I'm, you know, I'm sure it's shit. <laughs> like, and it's just, there's this one guy who who's on the Podmania, who always turns up on Podmania Twitter, I won't say his name, because then Rob's t- told me off for calling people out on this podcast. But he's so fucking annoying and I hate him. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, like honestly, that's true. That's so shit. Like, um, I'm sorry. I'm sure how did you like... get onto that from where we were? I'm so confused of that tangent. That literally came out of nowhere. <laughs> it, it, it's like you haven't been podcasting with me for two years. It's like what the fuck? Oh. <laughs> Just we were yeah, talking like, about yeah, think... medical protocols, and then you went off on NXT fans. <laughs> <laughs> it literally didn't correlate at all. And any chance to uh... have a dig? It is just <laughs> honestly, Chris. Okay, I will go... give you a segment if you want, where you can moan <laughs> about the wrestling collective, but you've got to choose a better segue than that. Okay, screeching back to Rachel ever Did you ever see a wrestle? Uh, no, I and didn't. I don't think I ever saw one match. She was in May Young, and she was all right, actually. Then again, it's easy to stand out in May Young because, like, half the field are, in, like, that's their first matches. Like, people like Casey Catanzaro or that girl from India, I've forgotten the name of, like, but they clearly have potential, but definitely shouldn't have been in. I think, like, <laughs> the thing is, like, if it is because of that, it's fucking stupid, but if it's because of cost-cutting and the fact that oh, she didn't wrestle, what's the it, point? In terms of, like, cost-cutting, it's so stupid. We we discussed this a couple of weeks ago. Aye, but if if you've got someone on your payroll who is literally doing nothing, I mean, I don't ever remember hearing our name come up or anything. So no, exactly. But my the only time I ever heard it, heard of it was I think she got engaged to Chris Hero. So <laughs> there you go. I think I think the, the chance are like, and again. This is this is pure speculation. What I think has probably happened is she hasn't exactly put herself in the good graces of the WWE by complaining about their medical protocols. Hence, when releases have come about, she's obviously at the forefront of their minds for someone to get rid of. I am not saying that is right. I'm not saying that is even what happened. That's how I see it. Um, As for seeing a wrestle, I've never seen a wrestle. I know that Meltzer is very high on her. 
um, and said, pretty much has alluded to the fact that she's going to walk into any other company. So, you know, I mean, again, we go to I mean, she's AEW, good seen, but like, who have got I, an absolutely seen... awful women's division. Well, back to talk about AEW, we'll get into this when we're talking about um, Double or Nothing in a bit, but their women's division isn't bad, but it's, the main issue they've had is, A, they built it too much around Joshi's, which now that um, Corona's hit and there's travel bans means <laughs> half the women's division stuck in Japan. And B, um, they just don't book it properly. Kenny Omega isn't a booker. <laughs> well, we'll have a look at that in a minute when we, like I say, when we go through uh, the double or nothing predictions. But I do think she, like from what I've seen, she's good. But like, I, I guess it's just a case of I haven't seen enough. Like I haven't watched NXT weekly in months. So no, I know that obviously the same with a lot of these. They're on the the uh, the house show loop, but. Again, I, I can't honestly, hand on heart, say I've seen a Rachel Ellering match. But yeah, Drew Gulak and Rachel Ellering released from the WWE. We wish them all the best in their future endeavours. Um, speaking of fucking hell, this week has been depressing. <laughs> Earlier this week, um, Garth, we're not going to spend much time on this because obviously we'll talk about it more on the Stardom cast, Chris. But earlier on this week... Um, Current Wonder of Stardom champion, Arissa Hoshiki, has announced her retirement. Um, she came back in 2000, late 2018, early 2019. Um, yeah, she basically came back just before the Cinderella last year, Yeah, I think. Um, put on some absolute barnstormers again, got everyone talking. And um, unfortunately, it has ended up with an injury. Yeah. Uh, Apparently, according to Twitter, if you read uh, the Stardomcast Twitter feed, that's pretty much the same for quite a lot of fans who've said she's one of the main reasons I'm into stardom. So it's a huge loss for stardom. Um, Obviously, I know she has her girl band, so hopefully they go on to do really good things. She had a limited dream navigator, but not even on Spotify. Like, what the fuck? But go on. I hope that so ha- there are good it very things. Hard to stand her when they're not on Spotify. <laughs> um, she is. It's such a lot. She's only twenty-four. I mean, like that's an eighth of Garth's age, and <laughs> um, no, like, see, like when I first got into Stardom, it was around a year ago actually. Um, I was watching through some of the more recent shows, and I was enjoying it, but like it wasn't grabbing me in the same like in like that got her away and then I saw the match with her versus Tam and I was like oh my god I get it now and yeah there's so many matches like her Hazuki match her um, Jungle Kiona match which is one of the matches of the year last year um, and, and like and even beyond that she's very she's she was telling like good stories in a match like it wasn't like she was just flashy kicks like she was slowly descending into madness as she was going through all the people in the five star which sort of reared his head at the Utami match from earlier this year where she was ripping Utami's head off of the mat to um finish her off and it's like she's great and then like when she got injured like people like they kept it really quiet which is never a good sign and like she was very very quietly taken off of the um, no people gate show, and then she hasn't been since. And people were just assuming it's like a normal injury, but like according to her statement, she's been working hurt for like almost a year now. And I'm like, you, you're crazy. Well, Apart- unfortunately, that seems good. to be the um, the case for a lot of wrestlers, where Apart- because if they don't work, they don't get paid. Yeah, 
it sucks. Apparently, it was gonna like for the 10th anniversary show next year, but we're gonna keep Arisa and Mayu champions, and that was gonna be the match for the anniversary show. I can think of worse main anniversary. No, I, I, I think that would probably be one of the best matches in stardom history. On top of Arisa, um, obviously, we haven't seen Ember Moon in a considerable amount of time. Uh, she's been injured for a large portion of uh, 2019, 2020. Um, she appeared on backstage on Tuesday and they asked her about her injury. Um, but she has admitted that it could be severe enough to force her into early retirement. Um, this is the actual statement. Um, I look back at my career in WWE. I've been here five years. Yeah, I could say I, uh, I should have been the one to defeat Asuka Streak, or I hope that. I could say that me and Bailey from SummerSlam, I wish I'd done more. The more and more I sit back and look at everything I've done and would redo, I think about my injury currently. Realising that I may have a career-ending injury, I'm coming back from the hardest injury and I might not have a chance to redeem myself of all the things I wanted to do and I want to do in my future. It's so hard to think back and regret when I try to look forward. I keep looking forward and pushing forward because this is what I love. This is my passion. This is the only thing I've ever wanted for myself. And I want that opportunity to not look back, but to look forward and be better than ever before. It's so hard to look back. It really is. I hope that I do have more matches. I'm going to prove to you guys that I'm worth that I'm worth redeeming those mistakes and those regrets. It's just going to be a while before I think I can do so. Um, that was that's on Fightful. Um, if she does retire, that's an enormous blow for the WWE. I mean, she has been in ring, she is great, but the WWE, again, have completely balls up her character. And it's actually NXT are to blame here as well, which I very rarely say. Oh, NXT took away so much of the mystique of her when, like, because. I understand we wanted to keep Asuka's streak going, but like, don't build the this is the girl to be Asuka's streak if you're not going to do it. Not only that, and I don't necessarily mind that, it's it's the case where they couldn't quite decide how mysterious mysterious should be. So you've got one day where she's coming out, she's got the contact lenses in, she's got the smoke, she's got the mystery, and then... The next, she's cutting A-level drama promos in an empty arena. So they seem to not quite understand what to do with her character. And obviously, if creative don't know what to do with your character, how the hell is she supposed to know? Like I've said, I mean, this is talking years and years ago when me and Garth were doing NXT reviews. We both said about how good Ember Moon was in the ring, but we couldn't fucking work out what she was supposed to be. You know, she's like... She didn't even have proper promos or anything. No, exactly. <clears throat> she was she was basically a finisher. That's all she mm-hmm. was. Um, what and a finisher, unfo- though. Oh God, yeah, absolutely. Um, but I mean, it's it's such a shame if this is the case because she has been off TV for absolutely ages, and in that it- time, she's been what? She's had one title match, and that was against Bailey. And let's face it, that was not a good match, but. I mean, you said Arissa was 24, Emma Moon's 31. So, I mean, she's not old by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, be serious. You know, she's a year older than me. But... Oh, yeah, you're 30 now. I am 30 now, yeah. Um, 
how much longer has she got working at that pace, working well, at, you know, that hard tour? It's an Achilles injury. Because uh, remember last time she got injured, it was Naya. Course it was. Cause, cause of course it was. I don't think there's a single like main eventer who Naya hasn't injured at this point. She's yet to do anything that impresses me, let's put it that way. Um, like, I think the only person she hasn't injured is Asuka, and that's because Asuka would probably actually kick the shit out of her. Did she injure Charlotte? She injured Charlotte? Um, yeah, she did. She dro- Twice in one match, she had dropped Charlotte on her head and then sh- didn't catch her on a moonsault. And I'm like, I'm not being funny. You're, you had one job to catch someone half your size, and you didn't. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Um, going back to Emma Moon, though... If she does retire, like I said, that's a huge loss for the WWE because even though, as we've stated, they've had no idea how to use her character, she is a very, very good worker and she'll be more than capable of having great, great matches against the likes of Charlotte, like Sasha Banks, like Bailey. You know, her match at SummerSlam aside, we think we could put that down to a dud. You know, she had a great match with Asuka. She had a great match second time round with Shayna Baszler. So, you know, she's she's a good in-ring worker. And it's a shame if this happens. Fingers crossed. Obviously, it might not. You know, we might not cause injury. But for her to admit that it could be, it's that's not good. Moving on. Um, and... I think this is probably, aside from Double or Nothing, this is probably the happiest thing on the podcast today. Um, the Undertaker, The Last Ride, Episode 2. <laughs> Jesus Christ, it's been a dull, you know, it's been a you know, dour podcast today, hasn't it? You know what the second biggest thing is? A documentary about one of the biggest stars in wrestling breaking down. Exactly. Um, obviously, Episode 2, Redemption, dropped on Sunday, I believe. I know me and Garth have definitely watched it. Have you watched it, Chris, now? Um, no, I was too busy watching Pulp Fiction. Oh, okay, fair <laughs> enough then. We'll lay you off, because that is a very good film. Um, so obviously, where we left off with episode one, uh, Taker had just had his match with uh, Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 33. Um, and we picked up literally at that point. Um, Garth, I know that you were you're hugely high on this series, so I'll let you talk us through it. <clears throat> just... The more it goes on, the more uh, you completely not really understand why he didn't retire. He, look, I mean, it shows you him watching the match and he's just sort of wincing at the fact he's like, look, I'm so immobile, I'm so overweight, um, I'm, I can't move, I need to redeem myself. And he goes off and gets his, um, is it his hip or his knee? Um, his... Knee, I think. No, he gets, his, like, he gets a hip replacement. Gets his hip replaced. Yeah, because, I mean, obviously, he's, like, hobbling around like an old man, but then he gets that done, and he's just he's standing up straight, and he's walking around pretty much straight away. And that's when he say, and he gets the ring out from the double jury, and that's when he starts moving, and um, you see him in the ring when he's running the ropes and stuff. You haven't seen him do that for years. And it kind of sort of, you totally, you totally understand his mindset following that. I want to get back and I want to have another match. Um, and I mean, he's quite candid through it. I mean, when he's talking like Michelle McCool and saying uh, how they end up together because she could throw in a, a football, 
just daft shit like that. That was hilarious. Um, and it's just, I think we're at the point now where obviously he's protected this character and this mystique for so long, and now he's winding down. He's opening the doors, and everyone's because he's protected so long. Everyone's really, really sort of happy to see that he's just quite a down to earth, normal bloke. Um, and it was just, I, I love the fact that he went into hospital and even went into an, um, like surgery with his beanie hat on. <laughs> it's like, and, he had, and he's got his he's got his theme music playing. Yeah, they have played which his one? theme music, which is amazing. Done it now. No, that one. Oh, no, that's was, a shame. That'd have been amazing. It was like the death march while he's been put to sleep. That's the most like harrowing thing ever. Is that as weird as when Hulk Hogan, when he was getting, when he was in the courtroom, um, filing a motion so he could wear his bandana in court? Love it. <laughs> but no, that, I mean, I can't wait for the next episode on Sunday because it's um, it's just really good and it's showing the side that nobody ever saw before. Um, the yeah, just he just. Like I say, he comes across as such. He shows so much respect for the business and for the fans as well. He, he keeps on saying that he he wants to do something that the fans will go away and think that's great, and I'm um, sort of he's earned his money, sort of thing. Um, I tell you what was weird, fucking Vince, Jesus Christ, that guy's a fucking animal. Where they go for a meeting, <laughs> and Vince is like, oh, like oh, Vince is at the gym. How old's Vince? Like seventy he's odd. Seventy odd, yeah. And he's, he comes oh, I'll look. I'll look this up. And he's absolutely pumped because he's just come from the gym, and it's just like fucking hell. Like, and even then, when they're sort of together, and you can tell the the close, Vince is really. You can tell he's really guarded when it comes to the camera crew, and he sends them out straight away. He's, I he's, think he's um seven. He's seventy four years old and has a net worth in twenty twenty of two point one billion. Nice. You don't need that much money. It's a really good show. It's really, really good. I mean, I don't think there's a wrestling fan out there that isn't enjoying it right now. Um, well, I haven't watched it, but you know, I'm sure I'll, I'll sure enjoy it in like two years when I actually sit down and watch it. I don't think that works. So. They are ways and means. We, of course, do not um, condone those, but you know, watch wrestling.la. Um, the you thing I took... You yeah. did watch it. The thing I took from it um, aside from Maniac Vince, um, was <laughs> just how much respect Taker has for Vince and vice mm-hmm. versa. Um, he says, you know, and he, like you said, Garth, he speaks very candidly. I'd take a bullet for Vince. Mm-hmm. And he says it straight to the camera, you know, and you believe him. You really do believe him. Michelle McCool says it about four times, just how much he sees Vince as his father figure. And they ask they ask Vince the question, can you talk can you sort of tell us a little bit about just how much you know what the Undertaker means to you? And Vince can't answer the question. He just starts stops, to cry. Yeah. And he just says, You're gonna have to cut the camera, I can't answer that question. Just with tears in his eyes. And I I it seemed like he was already on the edge, so I don't know if this was tacked onto the end of another question, which sort of got emotions high. I don't know, but um, yeah, it's it's very very clear that. What's the question? How's the XFL going? <laughs> <laughs> How many times have you been sued? Um, I think. Oh, I get sued for breakfast. <laughs> 
Vince, it, Michelle McCool says, you know, if Vince calls, he'll go. Taker will go. And you sort of got that impression anyway. And I think with mm-hmm. without this background, you sort of, it, it has sort of gotten to the point where you're like, come on, Taker, enough's enough. You know, the debacle at Crown Jewel with DX, which was an absolute farce. The match with Goldberg, which was an absolute farce. You know, and you just... As a smarky fan who's got no understanding of what's going on, you're just like, for fuck's sake, Taker, just leave it. Just leave it. Um, but with this background and with this context, you just you understand. Like you said, mm-hmm. God, you, he's watching this match, and it gets to the spot where, you know, the infamous spot at Mania 33 where he can't, where Reigns can't reverse the tombstone. Um, and he's got tears in his eyes. He's got tears in his eyes watching this match. He just and he's just he's tearing himself apart. I think um, with that as well, it's it's not as much, it's not. I don't even think it's. I'm really bad. It's like he feels really bad for Reigns. He says that about four or five times. And he actually mm-hmm. apologizes to Reigns backstage at Mania 34, mm-hmm. and you can just see Roman Reigns like, "What are you talking about? You're the Undertaker. It, it wasn't a bad match. What are you talking about?" And he's really taken aback. What's super weird is that match made because he essentially just. Reigns put, ended up putting away Taker pretty handily. And then that makes him the biggest heel in wrestling. <laughs> and then that... he, and then like the next night they booked it to perfection. He just came out, the crowd booed him for like five minutes and he went, this is my yard now and walked off. And then they made him face again. And it's like, what the fuck, WWE? Like, I why think... can't you quit him? It's, I think the next one looks really good because they're going to talk about the Super Showdown and the other one. And yeah. the little clip it's up to see where they're all just now, nah, it wasn't great. And the thing with the Goldberg thing, and he's. And, but Michelle, Michelle McCool alludes to the fact that he's never going to stop because he's always going to want a better match. It's well, like it's um, an addiction, actually, isn't it? Mm-hmm. What I, I'm enjoying now, like what I'm hearing from this, it just, is the difference between someone like Taker and someone like Goldberg. Whereas, like, Taker's sort of trying to book himself where he can be in a match, but also, like, he, he, he can at least try and put someone over, like, go out on your back, and there is Goldberg. Was, was, no, allegedly, uh, um, the last Saudi show was like, right, well, fuck your current booking plans. I am going over. Mm-hmm. Well, Because like, he... I, Goldberg, am the conquering Superman. I can't remember if it's this episode or if it's the last one where he says he'd, I'd love to have a match with AJ. It's this one. It's this uh, one. He's backstage he's at the Rumble. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just says, he's, that's someone that gets it. Mm-hmm. I'd love to have a match with him. Yeah. Oh, and then he did. <laughs> oh, f- oh, foreshadowing. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's... <laughs> I agree with what you're saying, Garth, about the difference, and I think it highlights the difference between... Uh, sorry, Chris, not Garth. Um, it highlights the difference between someone who has been in the industry, loves the industry, you know, and, you know, would effectively do anything to protect the integrity of the industry and The Undertaker, and someone who is, let's face it, is there for a payday in Goldberg. I mean, I'm not saying this is true of every American football player that goes into the WWE, but that wasn't, you know, wrestling wasn't his first career choice. You know, no, but I think with a lot of football players, when we get there, they start like, for example, AJ didn't watch wrestling growing up, and he, Rock. no, yeah. but like, he, 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 yeah, no, a lot of them just, but like, you look at someone like 
for example, big football players right now are Corbin and Roman. And say what you want about Corbin, he's pro wrestling. He's sports entertainment as fuck. Oh, he's through and through. And again, like you said, Chris, say what you want about him. He's there every week. Mm. And he's... He, you know, he's putting on matches, whether they're any good or not. It's besides the point that that <laughs> Elias one this really week. He really hard, you guys. That Elias mm. one this week was fucking dreadful, and it lasted I fifteen would, no, minutes. You're, you're still watching? Why no, I watched the highlights. Watching? I watched the highlights. I, I gave up on the highlights a year ago because I'm like, if I want to be unhappy for half an hour, I just wank. Stop. Well, fast was unhappy for like five minutes afterwards, but um, I, why why did I say that? Continue. <laughs> um, let's move on from The Undertaker then obviously the next episode drops on Sunday uh, speaking of new episodes um, Jesus Christ um, <laughs> you rank this is this is literally everywhere um, The Dark Side of the Ring season finale was uh, was aired on Tuesday on Vice um, the final days of Owen Hart um, and Martha Hart uh, Owen Hart's widow was on the Talk is Jericho podcast as well as sort of a sort of an accompaniment for this. And for a start, this show was the highest rated show that they've done. It outdrew the Benoit show um at three hundred and something thousand. Mm-hmm. Um it got a higher but it got a higher rate than uh, NXT. Just putting that <laughs> out there. Um, not told viewers the rate. Um, oh, um, so in terms of the ratings, um, I've, I've read this comment that just came up very quickly. And um, so AW got 700,000, which in like the current atmosphere is actually pretty good with no crowds. And someone, this guy, the COVID Undertaker, and he comments every week, he's become weirdly notorious. And it just says, God, it makes me happy seeing AW fail, imagining that for a go home show. And then you're sort of like, wasn't the Raw before Mania one of the lowest rated Raws? Mm-hmm. I forgot what I was saying. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so obviously, it got a lot of buzz, generated a lot of buzz. Um, and it was one of those episodes, and this has been the case for many of them, but this one especially for me. This was one of those episodes where I needed it to be longer than 40 minutes. I desperately wanted it to be uh, longer than 40 minutes. The Talk is Jericho podcast, let's let's start with that, Um, where Martha Hart is talking to uh, Jericho. Jericho, who is a a self-proclaimed obsessive of Owen Hart, you know, the picture that he drew of him and Owen from Stampede (laughs) did the rounds on Twitter. It's adorable. It's amazing. And it was put on the, uh, the Dark Side of the Ring episode. Um... But it's on the podcast they do. They talk about the good times with Owen. Um, talk about you know because obviously Martha has spent a lot of time talking about his death on the dark side of the ring, um, and this is something completely different, which I thought was really really good. And you actually get to see a completely different side of Owen through the podcast episode. I mean, Jericho is is a relatively underrated interviewer. I think his podcasts are always very very you know very very yeah. good. You get a lot of information out of them. He got a, he had a problem in the beginning where he kept interrupting someone's um, story with, well, this is what happened to me, and it would never be all that relevant. Mm, yeah. Whereas, like, now he doesn't. Um, I haven't listened to this, but I heard you two raving about it earlier in the week. Mm. And... Garth, what did you think? It was 
um, really sort of eye-opening in the fact that a lot of the information that's in this didn't make it to the dark side. So listen to them as like a companion piece. Gives you quite a sort of broad view of everything because she goes more into detail on the sort of aftermath and the court and stuff like that, whereas the dark side is literally like the lead-up and stuff like that to one's death. But um, I thought it was good. It was really hard. It was really hard listening. Uh, and when she starts talking about how much he would spend time for the fans and he loved the fans and he would get bloody... He would let the fans give him a ride. <laughs> stop to, at to the fans' shows. houses. <laughs> and stop at the houses and stay for tea and stuff because he was... He was a saver. Well, he, he knew like, what it, he, he knew what it, he knew what it meant to them, and it, he knew they weren't going to cause any harm. And then Chris Jericho even says after he died, people turn, still turned up, not knowing what to do, saying, "Hey, Jericho, come, come and give you a lift to the next show and stuff." And it's just like, <laughs> and he says it. That the funny thing was, he says that that was like Owen's like final rib on the boys. <laughs> was having all these fans turn up after after shows, trying to get them the next, get them to come to the houses and just. And I think you see, I mean, together with the the show, you see a side of Owen that obviously nobody saw before, and she, and you can tell the way she talks about him and stuff. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of loads of. I mean, this is however many years now built up against the WWE, and she said she's kind of sort of made amends with him a little bit, but he's still never going in the Hall of Fame. They're never going to be allowed to use them in any of their products or anything like that. So, and you kind of understand it when you listen to it. Like, look, I mean, the amount of people that have had like commenting on things and say, "Oh, she just did it for the money. She did it for the money." It's like, well, if she did, why didn't she just take the, the settlement that they offered her? And and they put then there like the retort is because she wanted more. It's like, no, she doesn't. She wants somebody to take the actual responsibility and just say, mm-hmm. look. I mean, Vince has said sorry, but that's it's an empty apology. Um, it's the one answer to why you did this and why you did that, and it's just like I say the podcast was a little bit more. It was a lot more lighthearted than the TV show. Oh, correct. Sure. But I've <laughs> yeah. what I've actually like since um, last time we talked about Dark Side, have watched most of the second season. And like it's normally hard viewing. Like I was talking about, like how incompletely in contrast it is to um, the wrestlers versus other um, documentary, which is basically a um, a celebration of all things wrestling and how important yeah. it is. And then every episode of Dark Side basically ends, and wrestling killed this man. <laughs> and but I, I'm this this documentary made me so. But filled with so many emotions. Um, should we just skip to the headliner of the um, harness release? Was designed Fuck to me. release on pressure. Yeah, they got just to save time or money, or whatever. There's no valid reason to have a harness release that's designed to release with pressure. Yeah, not even that. They'd done all the rehearsals, like, and everything. Every time they'd done this, 
they'd done it with carabiners. And anyone that's done climbing or... Exactly, if you've done climbing or anything like that, you know that carabiners can withstand a ridiculous amount of pressure. We say it to the kids when we take them on... um, residentials and we you know we've got them climbing and they're like this won't hold my way and the the thing is it's something like it can hold something like a minibus and it can hold it without snapping mm-hmm. and that's, that's really really important and that's the only thing you should ever use for something like this like to put it in perspective they use them on walls that are 15 feet high with a massive crash map that no one no one like no healthy person would prop would at all be seriously injured from this man was 80 feet above a 20 by 20 ring. And with a fucking harness up. With a, like, why, like, why did they change it? And, like, they promised him, apparently, like, they had the best people in LA. Clearly, from, like, brought in from LA. They clearly fucking didn't if they were using a fishing hook, essentially. And... Well, they even said the guy who rigged it had no experience, had no mm-hmm. place doing that. I mean, fucking hell, it's like, I mean, they talk about negligence. It's like it's gross okay. negligence, massive workplace negligence. Like, I'm not being funny. Something like that. Like, I understand stand it for like, and it's not like WWE have used harnesses so many times. We used it like what three or four years before with Shawn Michaels coming into. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he wouldn't have been given one, but like, but because we just saw Owen Hart as a um jobber they're like yeah, fuck it we'll save the money or this save any, time or whatever if this was any other profession or anything like that somebody would have been made accountable if, if this was any other bu- business it would have sank that business and we say this about every, like and not being funny in the fucking 80s wwe dealt drugs in the 90s, they have so many wrestlers' blood on their hands, both direct, um, indirectly, in this case, very much directly. And then in, t- in the 2000s, their toxic culture wound up with a double murder-suicide. Ooh. So, how? Like, just how do they... Because you can't say it enough. It's designed to release on pressure, and it's not how. And, like... What got me, and it's super weird that it got me, because of if you were told talk to me, you don't, you know what I'm like. But when Jim Cornette was welling up, because mm-hmm. apparently the last thing Owen shouted while he was falling was "Look out!" Yeah. That like, just... Oh my god! I mean, seeing Jim Cornette, we all know Jim Cornette loves to shout and scream as pretty much usually as a work. Mm-hmm. But this was not a fucking work. You could tell yeah, no, he was like, genuinely he was. Crying. Pissed. He was angry and he was sad at the same time. Um, what, like, what got me as well is the aftermath. Like, for example, like poor, poor JR, poor Jim Roskas. Fucking hell, Like, yeah. they kept telling him to give updates, but they weren't giving him updates. So it was like, we're going to give you updates as soon as we can. And then, like, he was told, like, literally, apparently, what happened, and JR had literally no reason to lie, right? And apparently, what happened, Kevin Dunn goes, He's dead. You need to tell everyone. You're going live in 10, 9, 8. And that's disgusting. That's disgusting. Like, how did the show go on? Well, that's one of the things I wrote down when I was watching it was why and how the fuck did this thing go like, ahead? I remember There's no like, reason. I, I always put this down to a gross accident, but now that I know it's essentially negligence, it's even worse. And then they skipped to the courtroom where Vince McMahon was just being a right cunt. Well, it was like, the whole... 
I don't appreciate your tone sort of thing. She's like, hang on a minute, I'm asking you a fucking question about you someone's death. Blood... We're, we're asking questions about someone who definitely their blood is on your hands and on your mat, which you didn't even fucking clean. That's another thing where, um, obviously, like, because they're talking, like, D'Lo Brown's on there talking and he's quite mm. upset. And... But then they're saying, like, people had to go out and have him. And the the way he fairly broke the ring, so there was a dip mm-hmm. in that corner. How the fuck? Well, of course you broke the ring. You get thrown into that corner. A, you're going to potentially injure yourself anyway. B, you're stepping literally on someone's deathbed. How, like, sure, like, even in the past, they've had instances where if there's blood on the mat, they've changed the mat. Like, if you're going to do that, you need to at least, like, wipe some, wipe that shit from the immediate memory. And I'm being funny, like, I've been to indie shows where people have gotten injured and they've cleared the entire thing. It's like, right, I've, the show will probably continue, but, like, everyone outside so the ambulance crew can get in. And it's like, how the fuck is, uh, it's... like, literally little British indie feds more professional than... How, how can... How can... I mean, I, could, as, I mean, as horrible as the death is in the family and lot, I can't imagine what was going through the minds of his friends and the people he worked oh, with they, having they to go in and Jeff do matches. Jarrett, who who he was close with, cut a promo, and like it got that got me because like get Jeff Jarrett's kind of promo trying not to cry, and then Deborah's behind Deborah's fucking behind him going, oh we I I we truly mean it, and it's like why why would you like a why were the family still there and um like the fam- the friends of Owen like still made to compete and be like the show shouldn't have gone on like well, I I don't accept like the shock of it all as an answer well look at it it's look psychopathic, at it like, sociopathic look at, look at it in comparison to Undertaker where Undertaker got injured and Vince skipped out from Wrestlemania to go and see him in hospital mm-hmm. whereas Vince was just like the show goes on yeah no it's I disgusting mean, and it's not a comparison because you can't compare someone's death, but there's an, there was an instance in football. Rob, you might know about David Boost. Oh God! Oh my where God! Yeah, it was that injury. Oh, oh. Coventry is versus that, Man is, United. Is that the one where his leg came off the bone? It snapped. Oh Christ! His leg I've literally, like his shin snapped, and he lost yeah, inches off his leg. And it's the most horrendous football it, injury. It's and awful. during. Like during the match, that happens, and you see players physically walk the side of the pitch, and they're sick, and they know what's happened. They know this guy is done, it's mm-hmm. finished, and then they still have to come and finish the game. But what they do is they just play out a draw where they basically they're all so still in shock, and respect-wise, they're just passing the ball between each other. Nobody's really going for it. Well, that's that... thing. No one, no one on that shit. Like no one talks about over the edge, other than the own thing, because like. Of course, the show wasn't good afterwards. So many wrestlers were in mourning. Exactly, and it's what I'm. Like, we mentioned like we spoke before. It was like not one single fan on that in that arena would have said, "Fuck you! I want this to go on." If they knew what was happening, uh, like and the ones who did, it would be like, "Ah, fuck it!" Like basically, the show went on because WWE didn't want to hand out refunds, which they'd be legally obliged to do. And it's like that's disgusting. Just. It's it's it was such. I mean, the actual show itself was like excellent and well done and quite respectful. But oh, they're they're really well put together documentaries. I tell you what hit it, hit it really 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 did hit hard was um, 
well, there's two there's where they go up onto the gantry and they're looking down. It's like, fuck me, that's high. Yeah. And the bit where the, the lads, like his son, is talking about when she had to sit them down and tell them. And both those kids are exactly the same age as my kids are. They were at the time. And Owen was just a couple of years younger than me. And it's like, fucking hell. Like, imagine having to tell my kids that. And it's just horrible. And the fact that you see how good he is with them and how much he loves them and how the worst thing about it was is he wasn't what they would call a lifer. He wanted to get out. He yeah, he was stuff. basically going, like, when I'm 40, I'm gone. I'm done. And I'm and I'm, yeah. I mean, Because that's why he was so frugal with, with his money. Like, it's, like yeah, people yeah. people joke about it now, but it's literally, like, I, I want to not be in this business. Mm-hmm. And you look at, I mean, on the podcast, she talks about how his favorite thing was building bikes, bikes, like bicycles, and he wanted to open a bicycle shop. Just to be a simple man, just to have a simple thing, and just it's horrible. But I think I think what's also disgusting is the hearts basically excommunicated her. Yeah, that that was pretty bad. How she when she like because they're not being funny. Like the heart apparently Brett's good with her, but like apparently well to be fair, like the rest of the hearts are just pure carnies. Like they basically wanted to keep a relationship with WWE, and then you cut to years later, and Bruce Hart keeps shooting on WWE for no reason. Is you know, like weekly podcast reminder, Bruce Hart is the worst. I think people should still watch it, and it's a tough watch. People will like, watch massive, massive trigger warning, like unbelievable theme. Like it's literally potentially triggering content. So That's... like, if that concerns you, don't watch it. But I still think I think the Benoit upset me more. The, because... Well, the Benoit one is like more. <sighs> We can pet like at a certain point all tragedies are on the same level, but like the Benoit one has so much more backstory, there's yeah, so much more to go into. And like it's... this this was like one isolated, really, really shitty fucking thing. Whereas what? Benoit's one spoke more to the culture of wrestling at the time. When I was watching it as well, what I kept thinking is, um, because the 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 word is that he hit his head on the turnbuckle and that's what killed him. Mm-hmm. If he'd been like 10 paces to the other side and he'd hit just the mat, would he have lived? It's still doubtful. It's 80 feet, man. Yeah. It's just it's horrible to think. But uh, it's again, it, you, could, you could talk all night about it, but yeah, it's a good like watch. The, the TLDR is um, he was a great man and fuck for Fed. It's the federation that countersued his grieving widow so that they wouldn't have to pay punitive damages. That's disgusting. Um, That's so disgusting. Yeah, just just think about that for a second. The, um, the show took place in Missouri, and if Vince McMahon was sued in Missouri, then he would have to pay punitive damages. So he countersued a grieving widow, the widow of the man he just scooped up the dead body out of the ring and then carried on with his show. Um they then countersued to try and get the case sent to Connecticut so that he wouldn't have to pay punitive damages. So the poor woman had to then hire solicitors to fight a what was effectively a completely fruitless lawsuit. So even though, you know, I don't think anyone, I don't even think the WWE really thought that anyone else was to blame apart from them, but 
the fact that they would do this, the fact that they would attack a woman who's lost her husband is absolutely disgraceful. And you can you can warp it however you want, but and I, I'm gonna end on this, Jim Cornette says it perfectly. How the fuck can you continue with a show when a man has just died? Mm-hmm. That's not humanitarian. I don't understand how this can happen. And it goes to, and this can sound really weird, it goes to show just how much this affected Jim Cornette because he doesn't mention Vince Russo once. <laughs> and usually he will blame Russo. I'm pretty, and... sure, I'm pretty sure he um, shouts up the name Vince Russo at the point of climax. <laughs> lovely cum face from Jim Cornette do you know who else really really upset me genuinely Jerry Lawler yeah when he comes back from oh my god it's it's horrible like I don't know how like like, JR kept it together how the fuck did he keep it together like the man is a true professional like a Fuck Kevin Dunn. The thing is, Chris, he shouldn't have to. He no, shouldn't he have had have to, to keep it together. Fuck. You shouldn't have to ask The Undertaker, who's just seen Owen Hart's dead body wheeled past him, then go on and have a 23-minute match. Yeah, no, no, literally, like, I don't, like, WWE's, like, WWE's stance on Owen's Hart's death is basically summed up by he's dead. You're on in ten, nine, eight. Like how? Fuck Kevin Dunn. Yeah, uh, Russo hasn't helped himself by claiming that the night he passed away, I'm sure Owen would have wanted the same thing. Um, the fact that basically people went on with the show. I think there's a reason they kept Russo off of the documentary because they clearly I had. I think him. so. Yeah. Because they because yeah. he's appeared elsewhere in the series as in for all one. So. Well, it's hard to do a Brawl for All episode and not have Vince Russo in it, to be I fair. I still love that he basically made Brawl for All because he didn't like Bradshaw very much. That's amazing. <laughs> Let's move on, because genuinely, if we talk any more about this poor man's death, I think I'm going to cry, because it, it's, it, it is a hard watch, but it is, it's a compelling watch in a horrible way. I know that sounds vile. It's, you just want to see justice done. And his wife doesn't think that the, the justice was done. I personally don't think justice was done either. Nothing happened. But they didn't get. They didn't lose anything. They lost. Well, eighteen million pounds or eighteen million dollars was the settlement. That's a drop, drop in a pond for them. But you know what? She's done amazing things with it, and you know what? That woman deserves all the plaudits in the world because how strong she had to be for two young children, and to set up and do everything that she has done in Owen's name, I, you just got to applaud her. There's nothing else you can do, because I know I couldn't react like that if that had happened to me. And the fact that she did, and the fact that she's done what she's done, and she's set up this incredible charity in his name, and done all this great stuff in his name, absolutely amazing. So, Mother Arts, absolutely, absolutely incredible woman. Absolutely incredible. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, last item on the agenda. Saturday... Uh, is Double or Nothing 2020, guys? That has come out of literally fucking nowhere. We said the same thing about um, Double or Nothing last year. We did. We did. Well, no. No, that's not technically true. What we did was we were so excited for ages and ages and ages and ages because it was Double or Nothing. Literally, I don't think Garth slept the entire week leading up to it. <laughs> but 
it, it got to a point where I was like, oh my God, it's Saturday. Fuck. Oh my God. And that was what happened. I don't think it was a case of... Um, whereas this time, obviously, with it being empty arena shows and things like that, I don't think there is the same buzz regarding it. And for all intents and purposes, I don't think the go-home was very good either. Um, but, obviously, with it being AEW Double or Nothing, we are going to give our official Podmania predictions. Oh, so, guys... You can't dick about on this one. This is the official one, I'm afraid, mate. Um, so what we'll do is we'll read through the card and we'll each give our predictions for it. So we'll start with the pre-show uh, where we have a number one contendership match for the AEW World Tag Team Championships with Private Party taking on the best friends. Chris, who have you got? Um, Best friends. Okay, Dumb. yeah. Bad ham, bam, bam. Um, Garth? I'm going private party. Just trying to mix Okay. Up. Fair enough. I'm going um, best friends. Um, partly because the amount of wrestling they've done over the past couple of weeks, they <laughs> seem to have been the only legitimate tag team that have, you know, apart from SCU, that have stopped on the entire time. So, yeah, um, I think they deserve a shot at the championships. I don't think they'll win it, but there we are. Um, moving on then, we have a singles match. Um, that's been added to the card because, and I quote from Jim Ross, because why not? <laughs> um, genuinely, that is what he said on commentary. Because you know, why nine not? Matches wasn't enough. Um, we have Dustin Rhodes versus Sean Spears in the Who Cares match. Yeah, who um, cares? Garth, who we got? Spears because he needs a win. Uh, I'm going to go Spears as well because I think they're going to do something with Dustin Rhodes' retirement. Um, Chris? Dustin, because he looks like Darth Maul and I like that in a wrestler. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's move on to singles match then. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, who actually sustained what looked like a fairly nasty injury actually on Dynamite. So this match might actually not be on the card. Um... Um, she's taking on Chris Statlander. We'll put it on anyway, but there is a chance that this one could get scrubbed because it did look quite nasty, actually. <laughs> it's just going to end. It's like, it's like um, the dog in Itchy and Scratch. It's like Chris Statlander goes off to a home planet and dies away. <laughs> <laughs> um, Chris, who have you got? Chris Statlander because both of you are grumpy old men and don't like her and I want her to win. It's because she's shit. Not, um, like, like Garth. I've got Statlander as well. Um, damn it, Garth, you're in the line my point. Can I change my answer? No. <laughs> hey. Oops. I'm going to go Britt Baker because um, genuinely the heel work she's doing is genuinely quite entertaining. Yeah, I hope she isn't injured. That'd be a real kick in the teeth. <laughs> you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> oh my God. <sighs> I'm really proud of that fun. Singles match MJF versus Jungle Boy. Um, MGF. Chris, do we even yeah. have to discuss this? <laughs> no, I am. I imagine all three is three of us have got MJF. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, we'll go on to the tournament final for the AEW TNT Championship. Oh, is this Cody... one being refereed by rapist Mike Tyson. It's not being refed by rapist Mike Tyson. It is being the belt is being presented by rapist Mike Tyson. I'm sorry. Cody versus Lance Archer. Chris, who have you got? 
Archer. Okay, I'm going to agree with you. I think Archer's got more to win from this. Um, Garth? I'm going to go Cody. Of course, you want your mark. Just because of what happened this week. What, you got another tattoo? Well, where, like, Jake laid out Brandy and put the snake on her. Oh, that was two weeks ago. Two that weeks was. ago, sorry, hi. Yeah, where he, uh, where he mounted her and got all weird on it. Yeah. Sounds like <laughs> Jake. Yeah, he's he's got proper sleazy old man on her a couple of times. Trust me. It's not like <laughs> oh, 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 it's the voice. Not... I don't like the voice. It's just the second person to sexually harass Brandy and Cody's the nothing. I think she loves it. <laughs> I like the thought of Garth just watching it going, Oh yeah, you love it, you slag. <laughs> well that's why she gets herself on the show every fucking week. Um moving on to Women's Championship, which is no disqualification and no count-out. I don't really think the build has warranted either of those stipulations, but there we are. Isn't every match Nyla that Rose... Well, the way they referee it, yeah. <laughs> um, Nyla Rose champion taking on Hikaru Shida. Um, Garth, have you got? Nyla Rose, I don't think her reign's ready to end yet. Um, Chris? Um, I'm going to go Shida just because she seems more willing to turn up for the weekly show. <laughs> I don't think it's a case of being willing, Chris. <laughs> Jesus, there's a pandemic. Um <laughs> willing was probably a bad like but she seems to be like more available on the weekly show. Again, it's not about being available. <laughs> you're supposed to stop at home. Right, yeah, but okay, it's the same reason you're going for best friends. Right, okay, so what you're saying is because she's wrestled the matches. Yeah, okay. I think so. All right. I think basically, yeah. I don't think it's fair for her to drop the title just because she's no, not I been turning that, up to but them. Also, like, Sheeta's been getting fairly over the last few months, and Nyla's been, held on to that title for almost six months now. So, I'm going to go Nyla Rose as well. I think to lose the belt, I, just, I feel like there's got to be a crowd. <laughs> I just... I just Genuinely, I know it sounds stupid. I just, you're right, Chris. Hikaru Shida is over, but to then have her win, I mean, look what he's done for Drew. Drew, luckily, is a charismatic fucker and he's great. But that moment versus Brock Lesnar should have been so much oh, more. Like when he beat Brock Lesnar in a minute, imagine that with the crowd. Exactly. Um, let's move on to the casino ladder match for a future AEW World Championship match. So basically, it's money in the bank. Um, and so far confirmed, we have Darby Allen, Colt Cabana, Orange Cassidy, Ray Phoenix, Scorpio Sky, Kip Sabian, Frankie Kazarian, Luchasaurus, and one more to be announced at the actual pay per view. So, yeah, of course it's going to be CM Punk. Um, Chris, who you got and why? Um, I'm tempted to go mystery just because that'd be fun, but I'm going to go with Darby. Makes sense. Yep. Makes sense. Garth? I'm going to go Scorpio Sky. Because I called it the other day that he's going to be in it. And I think before <laughs> this shit had stopped, they'd been really building him up as a singles guy. They'd put him in a lot more singles matches. And he well, was he, getting. He had, he had a title shot against Jericho, didn't he? Yeah. And he was getting more. <laughs> of... Wasn't that basically built off of him going backstage going, Scorpio Sky, you idiot, you'll never get a chance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, he's been—he's been seems to be picking up all the the wins when SCU been winning. 
And I think the fact that Kazarian's in there might have something to do with it. Either he's either he's gonna screw him over, like he's gonna sacrifice Kazarian to get it, or Kazarian's gonna help him get it. Mm. Okay. Fun fact: um, Scorpio Sky, a former ant in the colony. Really? Do you know what you mention the colony too much on they're, this podcast? They're great. I love them. Um, let's go to the AW World Championship match then you didn't say between who John Mock. Yeah, you didn't say. Oh, I didn't. Sorry, <laughs> um, I'm getting Derby as well. Who do we um, think? Who do we think is going to be the mystery competitor? The Manhattan Mauler. Wait, is this an official prediction? Then no, no, that fucked me up. Bam for glory. Um, do you want to make it an official prediction? Might as well. Let's do it. Tuffy? I, I, I wrote down four. <laughs> God damn it, guys. Okay, there is only going to be one guy. <laughs> Unless the colony debut. Shut up. <laughs> um, Who's going to go first? Go on, Garth. Who are you going to well, go who's for? Who's on your list, Garth? I've written down Matt Cardona, aka Zack Ryder. Okay. Hangman Page. Isn't he even the main event? He's in the main event. That's all right. That's not me. Um, or Wardlow. Wardlow would be interesting. Um, I'm a go with. I'm going to assume it's a recent release. Drew Gulak would do it. Gulak, but like they announced this ages ago. Like I doubt they'd have Gulak in place while we're still under contract. Rusev. Rusev. I'm gonna go with Rusev. I'm gonna go okay. Zack Ryder. Whatever he's called now. Matt Cardona, I think. Um. Oh, bollocks! I was gonna have him. Um. <laughs> you can. I feel. I feel like I need to have some. No, I feel like I need to have someone decent. Uh, someone decent. Someone different, even. Um. Say Hawkins. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it feels like it's got to be someone different, doesn't it? Um, Mike Tyson. Someone recently released. <laughs> Mike Tyson. Oh my God, imagine. Um, I'm going to go EC3. Trouble, 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 trouble. Um, I mean... The state of his Instagram, he is in absolutely phenomenal shit. I don't know if they, I don't know if he's got a 90 day non compete clause. Oh, bollocks. Actually, I don't know if that's the same for Rusev either. Or whether they just released him and said, have at. I can't we, see him we, we doing that. We spend more time on this than any other match. <laughs> Brian Kidge is right, let's let... Is he? Has he been released? His contract ended with um, Impact, and he hasn't been doing anything. Sorry, who, who? Brian Cage. Oh, oh yeah, but isn't he injured right now? Did, didn't he have well, a shoulder that's the thing. He's, he's been like like uh, healing up, but uh, from what I've been seeing on like Twitter and stuff, he looks like he's sort of back and ready. He looks like a machine. Yeah. Could it be Skrull? Uh... Now he owns Ring of Honor, surely. He's, he books for Ring of Honor, but he is on the NWA as well. And I know they have a working partnership, but 
Yeah, but like, there's a difference between like NWA, who's basically just another indie fed, and AEW. I know, but could be though, couldn't it? <laughs> no, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with these. I think it's a good show. Let's go to the main of. Oh no, no. Let's go to the semi-main because let's face it, this isn't main eventing anything. Title... We forgot about the title match. This is like when Kane took on Seth Rollins. Um... Let's let's be perfectly honest, mate. This isn't going to main event. No. John Moxley versus Brody Lee. Chris, who have you got? I'm annoyed that they're wasting Feb spunking Brody Lee up because I, we mentioned this last week. There's no good way to book this. No, not Either at all. You waste Moxley, who he's probably your biggest star right now. Um, you waste Lee, who's the up-and-coming gimmick, or you do a screw finish. There's no way for this to end satisfyingly. I'm going to say Moxley, because honestly, if we take the title off him right now, what's the point? God. I'm going to say Moxley, but I'd be surprised if it isn't like screw finish. He wins by DQ. D- they haven't done any of those finishes in title matches yet. None. Hmm. And I wonder if they're trying to distance themselves because that's a very, I hate saying this, that's a very WWE way of booking out of it. Because you look at it, if it, if this is a WWE pay-per-view, you automatically assume, well, neither of them can afford to use screwy finish, we booked South out of the corner. I don't think AEW are going to do that. So, again, there's but, no good way for this to end. Which, you've got to keep Brody Lee really, really strong in this. Otherwise, you risk burying the character. Maybe have someone on the inner so... circle try to get in, and then like they fuck up. Um, Moxley wins by roll-up or something. She barely survives Brody Lee, and then Brody Lee destroys some members of the Dark Order. I imagine that's probably what's going to happen. I'm game Moxley as well, but only because A, I don't see Brody Lee as the top guy. I just don't. Not in this incarnation anyway. Um, and if I'm being brutally honest, it's not a main event match. And do you have the AEW World Championship, your highest title, change hands when it's not even the main event? I don't think so. So I'm going to go Moxley. We then move on to a stadium stampede match. And if this is pre-taped, this is going to be the funniest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. Um, with the Elite... Um, Kenny Omega, Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson and Adam Page and then Matt Hardy taking on the inner circle Chris Jericho, Jake Hager, Sammy Guevara and then proud and powerful Santana and Ortiz I honestly do not know what to expect from this because this could this is just going to be absolute fucking just chaos <laughs> um, Chris who have you got? Inner circle because we need to keep this going till they can do war games unless they have to extend it, but like they're going to do war games at some point. So, elite, uh, um, liver the inner circle win because Jericho needs a win back. He hasn't won yet this year, and he beat um, Sugar Duncanton last oh, week. Oh yeah. Um, okay. Disregard that. The elite is the, um, the elite, No, it's still uh, going to be the inner circle winning. And they beat Kenny Omega and Matt Hardy two weeks ago. Oh, I haven't watched the product since we started doing reviews. Um, yeah, no, I'm going where I'm still going within a circle. Heels win and then faces chase them. Simple psychology. Okay. Garth. In a circle, yeah. Um, it seems like they've kind of got the upper hand recently. Um, their, Zoom, their Zoom meetings have been very productive. The elite um, of 
Honestly, like... Also, the elite are fractured right now. Yeah. I'm... Did we speak about the golf court thing? <laughs> That's the best thing all year. It's the best thing, and it's now became one of the best memes of all time as well. It really has. Um, really has. Yeah, definitely in a circle for me. Um, I mean, they've been teasing that stuff with Adam Page again. Um, it's the Bucks return as well. Nick Jackson coming off the back of that devastating garage door injury. To the um, face. <laughs> I mean, I'm just trying to see if there's enough matches different between me and Chris. Stop it. Um. Oh yeah, there's yeah, there's loads. I'm gonna go in a circle as well. Um, I think you pick the same as the other ones because you know I'm gonna make a stupid pick at some point based on how I feel. (laughs) So let's just run through our official predictions then. Um, So um, pre-show tag match: Chris, best friends, Garth, um, private party, me, best friends. Uh, We've then got. I'm just trying to work out Dr. Is who the fuck's Dr. Oh, Dustin Rhodes for Chris, Sean Spears only, for me, and Garth. The match. How hard is it to figure out? I haven't put I haven't put them in order. That's why they're not in order on uh, Wikipedia. Um, Chris and Garth have gone for Chris Statlander. I've gone for Britt Baker. All three of us have gone for MJF. Um, me and Chris have gone for Lance Archer. Garth has been a massive mark and gone for Cody. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris has gone for Hikaru Shida. Myself and Garth have gone for Nyla Rose. Um, the ladder match I think this is the first time in Podmania history where there's been a ladder match and two of us have come up with the same person um, with Chris and myself going for Darby Allen and Garth going for Scorpio Sky mystery opponent we've gone Chris has gone Rusev Garth has gone Matt Cordona or Zack Ryder as he was known and I've gone EC3 uh, we've all gone John Marksley we've all gone the inner circle very, very quickly then, lads. Are we looking forward to Double or Nothing? Well, what what is worth looking forward to nowadays? Actually, you know what's worth looking forward to? I'm getting a takeaway tomorrow, and I'm really excited about that pizza. Oh, my God. But I, I guess I'm looking forward to new wrestling in general. Um, like, the only new wrestling I've watched in the past few weeks has been the Old Japan show from the other day, and that was fine. So this will probably be better. So, like, in... Relative terms, yes, I'm looking forward to it, but also like I just look forward to going to bed every night, so I don't because I don't need to be conscious for a few hours. So, oh, just a simple, <laughs> just once, a simple fucking yes. Garth, hmm. are you looking forward to this show? Um, yeah, I, I'm not as excited as I was last time, so I doubt I'll watch it live, but I'll catch on Sunday. Early. Yeah, it's it's different. It's difficult, isn't it, without a crowd and the current state of wrestling? We could do a watch long. Not for two, <laughs> not for three hours, mate. Not for three fucking then, hours. Then again, it's three hours. I think we all need to be in the same hotel room and drunk. So essentially, we'll see him in Blackpool. We should just watch the uh, the stadium stampede as a watch along. <laughs> well, like we did for the Rumbles. <laughs> mm. Maybe we'll see. We'll do. Uh, we'll do some on air. Uh, production meetings. 
Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that just about wraps up this week in wrestling. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week on Friday for another week in wrestling. We'll be going through this card along with some other bits of wrestling news. Uh, In the meantime, you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you get them. Um, You can talk to us on Twitter at Podmania. Join the Facebook group, uh, Podmania Podcast. Don't forget to check out the website, www.podmania.co.uk where you can check out all of our podcasts in the archive and our match ratings. Um, You can talk to me on Twitter at at Real Rob Goodwin. Garth, where can we find you? And Chris. And Bushi. And we will be back next week. We'll talk to you again. Same time, same place. Goodbye. You've been listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Podmania, Facebook at Podmania Podcasts, and YouTube and Instagram at RealPodmania. And check out the website, podmania.co.uk. Until next time, wrestling fans.